Lesson One, Basic Hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is powered by All About Jazz, the world's most visited jazz website. For news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more, visit allaboutjazz.com. This week's guest is Gary Burton. Gary has a new CD out, a live recording with Pat Metheny, Steve Swallow, and Antonio Sanchez called Quartet Live. From that album, here's the opening track, Sea Journey. My guest is vibraphonist, composer, band leader Gary Burton. He's got a new recording reuniting uh, the members of the Gary Burton Quartet and adding someone new, as a matter of fact. It's called Quartet Live, and it's my distinct pleasure to welcome Gary Burton to the jazz session. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure indeed. Gary, can we start off by talking about whose idea it was to get the band back together again and, and how that happened? Sure, that's easy. It was Pat Metheny's idea. Uh, he was going to be the guest artist on the Montreal Jazz Festival a couple of years ago. And he got the idea to put together the band that he started out with, which was my quartet, and play some of the music we used to play together and so on. So he called me up and told me about it. And I said, well, let's, let's see if we can get some of the musicians and get you know, a, a pull it together, see if it would work. And Steve Swallow, who was the bass player during all those years, uh, was available. We ended up actually choosing a new drummer uh, instead of one of the uh, uh, drummers from the periods when we played together. Uh, we chose actually Pat's current drummer, Antonio Sanchez. We thought it was going to be just a one-time thing, you know, just play a few tunes on this jazz festival and have a ball and kind of a few laughs and so on. But uh, actually, we had so much fun doing it uh, that we started talking about uh, doing some touring and recording. And now we're about to do our third tour and uh, the record's coming out and it sort of turned into a whole thing. 
Now, I didn't realize until I was reading some of the press material for this record just how many years it had been since you and Steve Swallow had played together. And uh-huh. uh, I just found it surprising when I when I saw that it had been, I think it was 20 years or something almost, wasn't it? Yeah, since well, we played together for 21 years. That's right. And then we sort of went our separate ways, you know, uh, with other projects, other bands, and so on. And we, we've occasionally gotten together for a record date or something here and there, but uh, not actually, you know, toured together or anything uh, more uh, uh, committed. And uh, so this has actually been a very nice ex- chance to get reinvolved as pl- as players again, uh, and all because of Pat, you know, thought this would be a fun thing to do. And uh, one thing, it just keeps leading to another, and uh, we keep, you know, deciding to book yet another tour and uh, do some more playing and more playing. So I, at this point, I don't know, you know, where it's headed. It's been over about two years now, and we're still doing yet another tour, and the record's coming out, so uh, we may be doing a few more. Did you have any, any trepidation when Pat called you about revisiting this music that had now, it's now been, had been 30 years since you'd played it? Well, you know, normally I'm not one for going back and rehashing the old days and trying to, you know, recapture, you know, what I did decades ago. And I think if if the suggestion had been let's do a record, let's go on tour with this, I probably would have said said uh, I don't think so. But because it was just going to be one concert at a jazz festival, it sounded like uh, this could be fun, you know, and we you know we'll we kind of have a little, you know, one day reunion and a few laughs and 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 that sort of thing, and, and that's all it's involved. Uh, so that actually was how it got started, and then it was just kind of a surprise to everyone that musically, it actually ended up being uh, feeling fresh, feeling uh, kind of you know uh, different than we expected. You know, instead of it being just a going over the old stuff again the music kind of took on a new life for us and when we came off the stage that day in Montreal we uh, kind of looked at each other and started talking about uh, we, you know we need to we should play this some more and that led to discussions of when could we tour and when can we make a record and uh, and then we just kept on going in my opinion, your musical partnership with Steve Swallow uh, back in the, the the original days of the quartet was a very very important one uh, to this music. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what what made you and Steve fit together well. Yeah, well, we met originally uh, uh, when we were both playing with Stan Getz, and in fact, I was introduced to Steve Swallow by Jim Hall, a guitar player, uh, who said to me one day, "The guy you should be playing with." is Steve Swallow. And I said, who's that? <laughs> and and he sent me down to a, a club or two in New York where Steve was playing with Art Farmer. And I heard him, and I said, wow, okay. And uh, so when I got the job with Stan Getz, uh, about a year into it, we needed a new bass player. And I suggested to Stan, Steve Swallow, who I've been noticing a lot lately and would be a great addition to the group. So he came into the band and we became great friends and when i started my own band eventually uh i convinced steve to leave getz's band and come with mine that then began kind of a new phase with us uh steve became sort of my principal advisor he was the guy that i 
talked everything, you know, over with. Uh, anytime it was whether to hire different musicians or what songs to use on the next record, uh, what directions to go with the band and the music and so on. He was the perfect uh, sounding board and counselor in the background, uh, giving me great advice and great feedback all through those years. So he was, you know, a, a very much a part of this, I feel like the success of my early bands because uh, I had, you know, great advice uh, all, all through those years because of Steve. Now, the two of you, and certainly in the company of, of Pat Metheny, uh, were pretty fearless about exploring a lot of what was happening around you in terms of the, the other musics of the day that were outside the more traditional jazz world. But you were able to do it without ever dumbing down anything that you were doing. How did you manage that? Because not everyone did. You guys created very smart, fusion that was still uh, or a fusion of musics maybe that was still very fun to listen to it rewarded repeated listening and it always seemed like uh it was very authentic it was never just trying to uh, to grab onto some wave that was happening well that was certainly the 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 intention i'm i'm happy to hear you say that that's in fact what we achieved that's what we set out to do uh when i left getz's band and said well okay time to start my own band uh, what do I want to do? What am I interested in personally in terms of music? And I came from a strange background. I grew up in the Midwest and started my career in Nashville playing with country musicians. And, uh, and by the time I was in my mid twenties and ready to start my own band, I also had become a big fan of the new rock music that had arrived at the time, the Beatles and Bob Dylan and those stones and so on. So rock had become much more sophisticated from the days of Elvis and Bill Haley and the Comets and so on. So when I started my own band, I somehow wanted to bring these elements of my background into the music we were playing. And uh, fortunately, I found other musicians who also were, you know, interested in doing this as well. And uh, so we all kind of just took a flying leap into uh, the unknown uh, to see what would happen uh, in terms of both, you know, building an image for our band of uh, of being this youthful group. I mean, up to that point, every jazz band in the world played their concerts in tuxedos or suits and ties. It was unheard of to wear more colorful individual clothes, and uh, we were the first to do that, and we got away with it at the beginning by wearing suits and ties, but they were purple and gold lame and stuff. <laughs> so people, uh, they, the club owners and the promoters couldn't say, well, you're, you know, you're not properly dressed. So we kind of got away with it. And then they figured out this was, you know, what was our identity, our message and so on. For the first year or, year or so, it was a little dicey. You know, the jazz musicians in the, the jazz community, seemed kind of puzzled by what we were doing and weren't too supportive. But by the second year, uh, we had won over most people and uh, felt a lot of support from other musicians and from the public. And then by, you know, the beginning of the 70s, uh, a lot of musicians were starting to uh, venture into rock influences and so on. And turned out we had, you know, we had, uh, you know, done a good thing. Thank you. 
another thing that uh, you really co- seem to concentrate on, and that's very evident on uh, the new Quartet Live recording, is that you focused on original composition. Can you talk about the, the decision-making process behind that? I was always fortunate to have a lot of friends in the jazz world who were among the most talented composers. Chick Corea was a friend of mine, Keith Jarrett, Carla Blay, Steve Swallow, Pat Metheny, other, other young composers. We were all from the same generation. And when I, you know, I started my band, uh, I kind of put the word out that I was, you know, always looking for interesting material. And this was a genre of material that no one else was playing. You know the the mixing rock and, and pop styles with jazz. So when the other guys were starting to write things uh, that were in this genre, I was the logical band to send it to. So every few months, I would get stuff in the mail. You know, Chick would send two or three songs, Keith would send some songs, Carla would write songs, and uh, we ended up actually being a, a really good representation of what young jazz composers were doing uh, in the 60s and early 70s. Uh, these were people that were soon to become the major jazz musicians of, of the next generation. And lucky for me, they were writing songs for us. And so we had, uh, I think, some of the best repertoire uh, of any band could, could possibly want. Because instead of it just being, say, songs written by me, uh, which is often the case. You got the leader of the band who writes all the music himself. Uh, in this case, I had some of the best writers in the business all contributing stuff. So, uh, it, I think it made for a much stronger, uh, you know, uh, assortment of music. Now, as we mentioned at the beginning of the interview, the new Quartet Live CD features you and Pat and Steve, who were all part uh, of the original music, but it also features Antonio Sanchez, who's in Pat's band nowadays. I mean, you had some pretty impressive drumming names uh, back in the early days, too, guys like Bob Moses and Roy Haynes. How did you decide to go with Antonio? Well, our, we first talked about Roy Haynes, who was kind of our, our big favorite from the, the early group. But Roy is, as you know, now in his 80s and has his own band and really only wants to play with his own groups these days and doesn't like to tour too much. So when we started talking about this, uh, we, it seemed like that kind of ruled Roy out as a, as a possibility. And then that got us talking about, you know, different options. And we talked about actually four or five different people. And, uh, and we kept coming back to Antonio as uh you know a, a guy who was actually an ideal choice even though he was about i don't know if he was even born when we actually were playing <laughs> back in the 60s and 70s uh i don't think he was but he turned out to be a perfect fit uh he really understood the music that we were doing and uh was you know a, a great blend and great balance and that's that's often a challenge in small groups you know, you can take an excellent drummer, an excellent bass player, and put them together, and they don't necessarily play well together. There's some chemistry that has to happen. It, you know, it's not just that, that they're excellent musicians. They also have to have some way of that playing together that works for them. And we found that to be the case as soon as we started rehearsing the first day that uh, Steve Swallow and Antonio and then the rest of us just, you know, fell together 
uh, as naturally as could be, and uh, so it's it's worked out great. A lot of old rock acts get back together and go on tours, you know, where the tickets are $14 million a seat, and they <laughs> re- rehash their old tunes, and it's never quite the same, even if it's cool to see them. I wonder how you guys avoided falling into what must be a very wide chasm trap of just rehashing the old stuff. How did you find the, the fire and uh, some renewed excitement about, about playing the music? Well, I think one of the things that happened is, we first of all, we weren't expecting at the beginning to uh, actually keep playing the music. We thought it would be just a rehashing of the music, and it would be fun for one gig. And then it turned out that uh, you know the music seemed to take on a new life. We didn't have drastically different arrangements of the songs, but the playing seemed different. And it turned out that because 30 years had passed, and we'd all had matured as players, uh, that getting back together and playing these songs again, uh, it took on a, a different uh, character and a different life than was the case back in the beginning. And that's what inspired us to keep on playing it. And I don't think we would have been interested in doing it if it had just seemed like uh, a rehash of the original versions. And uh, we noticed right away that the music seemed to sound different and feel different and uh, kind of take on a new life. And uh, in fact, when Pat and I were mixing the record, uh, you know, we spent several days, you know, in his uh, home studio going over the, the takes and, and everything and, and setting the sound balances and everything. I, I frankly was, uh, you know, struck all over again by how interesting the music had turned out, how well we were playing together, uh, the level of maturity that uh, was was evident in the music, and uh, which which you know really has us really excited about uh, seeing the record come out now. Now, uh, I should congratulate you also. Uh, back in February, you won your sixth 
Grammy Award. Congratulations on that. That's true. Thank you very much. That was a, certainly a welcome surprise. And it was for uh, an album with, with Chick Corea, uh, the new Crystal Silence recording. And uh, it, it seems like you are an incredibly busy guy because I was just uh, I was looking at your, your itinerary in preparation for this interview. And uh, almost moments after we finished speaking, you're heading down to South America to work with former members of Astro Piazzolla's uh, tango groups. That's and right. then you uh, are doing more playing with Chick Corea. You're doing more playing with the uh, the new quartet here. And then next year, you and Makoto Ozone are uh, doing a duet tour in Japan. How do you keep all of that repertoire straight? And how do you just keep your head on straight when you're doing so much traveling and uh, and performing in different settings? Well, you know, it, it. I must say that during the years when I had a full-time band, in a way, in some ways it was easier because, you know, it was the same music. You didn't have to switch gears from uh, one tour to the next uh, and play entirely different music. And it is more of a challenge these days because I don't have a regular band now. I kind of uh, pop around. I do some dates with Chick, with Pat, and uh, with now with the tango musicians and so on. And so I, I go through these feverish periods getting prepared of, you know, practicing the music that I have to get ready for the next tour and, uh, and then be ready to go. But it's, you know, it's actually, uh, I like the fact that it changes things up constantly so uh, instead of sticking with the same uh repertoire of month after month uh now it's you know i do two or three weeks of this music and then after a break i do two or three weeks of the of some other music and, and including i got special projects this year of gee i'm going to do a wayne shorter tribute with the scottish the, the national jazz orchestra in september is that that's led by tommy smith is that right with tommy smith exactly who used to be in my band 20, 20 years ago, something like that. Each each one of these things is is kind of a crash course in uh, absorbing new arrangements and new music and figuring out how to play on it and so on. But so far, you know, I'm loving it. Uh, I'm considering this my semi-retirement period, actually, because <laughs> <laughs> instead of having a full-time band, I'm kind of just you know going from one project to the next. But uh, it is keeping me busy. Yeah, you, you certainly have a uh, must have another definition of the word retirement that I'm not, uh, so. not familiar with. <laughs> Do you find, for example, as you've you've just uh, finished playing with one group and you go on to the next and it's totally different music? Do you find that? Uh, one musical style or or approach to a particular set of repertoire kind of bleeds into another or informs your playing in another in a way that maybe you wouldn't have thought of had you not had the varied experiences that you're having now? I don't know. I suppose that's possible that it happens. If it does, I haven't noticed it. You know, now, for instance, playing with Chick Korea, this is something we've been doing this for 35, 36 years now. Uh, the two of us, we keep getting together and... Uh, doing, you know, little short tours every year, uh, all these years, and putting out a record every six or eight years or so. And uh, so that's been actually part of my musical life for a long time. And I know that, in general, all my work with Chick has influenced my playing a lot. I mean, all the great songs he's written that I've played with him and the in his great understanding of Latin music, which I know has... It helped me learn more about how to play Latin music. But I, I don't know that I think of, you know, if I go from, uh, a con I'm going to do this, in fact, in June, I play a concert with Chick 
in Oklahoma, and then I get up at 6 in the morning and fly to Massachusetts and start a, an 11-day tour with Pat at the very next day. Wow. So a total switch of music. I don't think I'll you know, suddenly find myself playing chicks tunes or anything <laughs> uh, on, the, on the day, the first date with Pat. But I'm sure the the long range influence is definitely there. Now, I'm I'm never uh, ashamed to admit my ignorance, and there's someone on your itinerary about whom I know nothing. So, will you tell me what I need to know, including maybe how to pronounce his name, about Polo Orti? Yeah, you said it right. Polo is a uh, an established uh, pianist in Europe. He lives in Spain, and in fact. Uh, Pat and I recorded three of his songs on one of our reunion projects back in the 90s, which was called, I think it was called Reunion, in fact. And that was our first big record project after he had left my band and gone out and established his own career. And then we, we decided to get together and do something. And we ended up including three of Polo's compositions on that record. And so he's, been somebody we've stayed in touch with over the years and I did a, a record with him a couple of years ago with an orchestra that he had written the music for and organized in Spain and then this year uh, he got in touch with me again about putting together some kind of group and in fact Antonio Sanchez is going to be doing this project with us uh, along with Scott Colley on bass and Julian Lodge on guitar um, we have some concerts in uh, November uh, in Spain and London uh, as well at different jazz festivals. While he's not well known in the U.S., because I, I don't know if he's ever even played any concerts here in the U.S., uh, he is an excellent pianist and composer and uh, somebody we've been friends with for a long time. Well, the new recording is Quartet Live, featuring Gary Burton, Pat Metheny, Steve Swallow, and Antonio Sanchez. And uh, you can see Gary Burton in a town near you almost no matter where you live, because he's <laughs> he's everywhere. doesn't even matter which continent you live on, he'll be there. So just check out uh, his itinerary uh, on his website, which we'll link to from thejazzsession.com, and uh, definitely go see Gary, no matter whose name is on the bill with him. They're all they're all fantastic. Well, I've, I've been a fan of yours since I was listening to this music, and uh, it's really a, a pleasure for me to speak with you, and I thank you for taking the time and your busy schedule to, to come on the show. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much, Gary. Sure. Bye-bye. Bye.
That was Gary Burton, Pat Matheny, Steve Swallow, and Antonio Sanchez from the new Quartet Live recording on Concord Jazz. You've been listening to The Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is powered by All About Jazz, the world's most visited jazz website. For news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more, visit allaboutjazz.com. The Jazz Session is available for free in iTunes and at thejazzsession.com, in addition to allaboutjazz.com. You can also click on the show archive at thejazzsession.com to find links to every episode. The Jazz Session has an email mailing list, which is a great way, and in fact usually almost the only way, to win free music from the show. You can sign up at thejazzsession.com, but there is one other way, and that's on our Facebook group. Just if you uh, search for The Jazz Session in Facebook. Couldn't be easier. It's right there. For more interviews and reviews, The Jazz Session has an email mailing list, which is a great way to win free music, and you can sign up for it at thejazzsession.com. The other way that I give away music occasionally is on The Jazz Session's Facebook group. If you're a Facebook user, just search for The Jazz Session, and you can join with just about one click. The theme music for this show is by the Respect Sextet online at respectsextet.com. They've got a brand new recording out, and they'll be on the show in a few weeks. Thanks also to Dave Rabel, who designed the Jazz Session logo. Thanks very much for listening. Please support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. Thank you for listening. Bye.